0: Welcome to the Healthy Gospel Church Podcast, a podcast where we explore all aspects of church life while also shining a spotlight on good practice in your local church. My name is David Meredith. I'm a mission director for the Free Church of Scotland based in Edinburgh and I'll be your host. If you like what you hear then, please like, share and subscribe. Spread the news. My guest today is Joe Hall, the Reverend Joe Hall. Um, Joe is minister at Bon Accord Free Church, which is up in Aberdeen in the very northeast of Scotland. He is one of our younger ministers. When you get to my age, everyone is one of our younger ministers. So, Joe, welcome to the Healthy Gospel Church podcast.
1: Thanks so much, David. It's great to be on with you.
0: Excellent. Now, um, a lot of our our listeners will know exactly who you are. Most will not. Can you tell us just a wee bit about yourself? Interested where you were brought up and, you know, first of all, how you became a Christian?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, So uh, I'm Joe, married to Susie. Uh, We've got a little boy, Caleb, uh, who's just turned one. And we're expecting another little boy at the end of this month. And congratulations thanks so much so it's uh yeah an exciting if if not also terrifying time um i'm not a scot uh at least not not native born um i was born in a town called romford which is the outskirts of london essex that's right essex boy <laughs> that's right yeah I've, I've stored my my fake tan for this <laughs> put it far away but uh that, that's where I was born and, and raised. Uh, my mum and dad, are believers, uh, faithful Christians, and so Jesus was part of our, our, our home life growing up. and Was regularly or well, faithfully taken along to church twice on a Sunday, and for, for most of my most of my childhood, and that was in the Salvation Army. So, um, I, theologically, pretty far from yep. the Free Church, um, but. People love Jesus, and and that's where I heard about him. Um, I was encouraged to to put my trust in him, to follow him, um, in a in a very simple way. Um, I don't think I did that until my early teens, um, and I, I distinctly remember almost all all the pieces falling into place at one at one time. Um, I was away at ten, and um, a talk was given. And there'd been stuff going on in the week, you know, and I was not blameless. And, and um, the talk was, was really just, you know, how, how what Jesus did was costly and sacrificial on the cross for us. And for me, that was the point where it, it hit home that it wasn't, you know, Jesus hadn't just paid for sins in general, but he took my sins to the cross. And there he dealt with them and took, took God's wrath for me. Um, and that, I believe, is where I was converted. Um, from that that point on, uh, took more of an interest in my Bible. Um, it was actually at that point, as I was reading my New Testament, I began to sort of see um, the the church that I belong to. I can't see, you know, the life of the church in the New Testament represented here. That the things people talked about were interested in. Um, Match as as I kind of thought it it should or or thought it might. Um, So it was quite confused for a long time and a bit of drift, and decided when I moved away to to uni that I'd look for something different. Um, Now, the Salvation Army, uh, um, pros and cons, one of the big cons is that it's very isolated. So I had no idea what other churches believed or did, anything like that. So I basically went online and compiled a list of churches, and and one of them was Grace Church Leith.
0: Okay, so can, now, can like I can just stop one. stop you there just now? I mean, yeah, yeah. Grace Church is a great great church. Um, Salvation Army. I want to unpack that a little bit. You you may or may not know that you know one of the greatest ministers in Aberdeen in recent years was mm. Reverend William Still of Gilcomston. That's yeah. you know history. You were probably when born when when William <laughs> Still was there. He was brought up Salvation Army. So there's a mm. precedent. Can I just unpack that a little bit? I mean, the Salvation Army essentially isn't a church. They don't do sacraments. Mm, yeah. They are theologically Arminian, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, there are cons. You felt a little bit isolated. Just briefly sketch in some of the pros of the Salvation Army as well as maybe some of the cons. So obviously yeah. good people who love Jesus, but what were the other good things that you you got from that? Yeah, thanks, David. I, th- I think,
1: I think that, that's important. I totally agree with what you said. Um, that's not how I thought at the time. But certainly looking back, you know, it's um, not a church as we would define a church. But I think it's important to be, to be fair. And um, I think some of the pros are that people in general really care about the outworking of the faith. People are not content to sit in church on a Sunday or in the, in the meeting on a Sunday and, and hear and receive without some kind of outworking, particularly with regards to, to the poor, the outcast, um, that, that can be, I think um, my parents would say in their context, that can be a, a pitfall too, where people see, if we can't be serving certain kinds of people, we're not, uh, we're not who we should be. So the identity of of the Salvation Army can be wrapped up in good works rather than in the gospel, um, but I I still think that is um, a good desire to see faith worked out in in a good life and good works uh, in, in works of service. So that that would be a proof, for example.
0: What about the music? I mean, uh, we're talking about stereotypes, Essex boy and fake, fake tans. Did you play a trumpet? Did you play a trombone? I played a trombone. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, that's,
0: that's good. Yeah, that's good.
1: Okay. Yeah. You don't know chord until you've played a
0: trombone in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay. Grace Churchley, so you came to Edinburgh. What did you study at university? Uh I studied social anthropology, okay. uh,
1: so people studies, uh, looking at, at culture and society, trying to see that from the inside. So how do people understand their own way of life and their own, their own culture? Um, that was the University of Edinburgh. Um, I was part of Grace Church Leaf all of that time. When I came, uh, it had only been launched a year. Uh, it wasn't part of the Free Church. At that point, it wasn't planted in the Free Church. Um, but I needed that church. You, know, I fully believe that, that God... As he does, you know, in all things, but in that particular way, I just see his fingerprints in having led me there, Um, because I didn't know anyone in Edinburgh. Um, The things that really struck me about Grace Church Leaf, uh, it was the first time that, that I'd heard somebody open the Bible, read it, and then preach from that passage of Scripture, that really struck me. I thought, these are people that take the Bible seriously. That's what I wanted. Uh, I had no idea what that meant. I thought I took the Bible seriously. I had a lot to learn. <laughs> and there was a lot that, that needed corrected, challenged, changed in my my thinking, my heart over those years. Um, and that was really important for me to be kind of met with the Word of God and and broken and changed by that, really. Um, the other big thing was that people remembered my name when I went back, and just that sense of being known. Um, I was a a new student, a teenager for, from Essex, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I came to Leith, and here were here were twenty five people who he wanted me to be there and and had remembered me in the week, and um, and who themselves had moved to that area to see the gospel flourish in that community and that as well just really struck me that you as I say that that sense of wanting to see faith worked out in a, a way of life works of service you know, here were people who had not only come to hear the word preached but come to take that word out and see it impacts outside so so all those things really drew me to to belong to that that church family really for the duration of the time I was I was there.
0: Yeah. yeah. Is it, um, interesting. Is there something in your personality to put you to a church like Grace Leith? I mean, there's some well-known, we say, student churches in Edinburgh, you know, St. Columba's, P&G's, you know, Charlotte Chapel, um, you know, mm. Carbers Great, sort of bigger churches. Is there something in your personality mm. that thought, mm. nah, I'm going to be... Independent here, and I'm going to look down the menu and see what else is an offer. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I think that's probably fair. I
1: probably am a wee bit independently minded in that way. Certainly was was at the time. Um, Did things, but I was a vegetarian. I had shoulder length hair.
0: I wore ripped jeans. You know, this was my 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 teenage rebellion. When you say you were a vegetarian, are you still a vegetarian? I'm not. Um, oh, excellent! You're becoming more reformed by the day. <laughs> that's right.
1: That's right. Every good gift to be received with Thanksgiving. But, uh, but yeah, and I suppose that's it's partly, really, genuinely, just a sign of how ignorant I was. I had, I had no idea. I, I didn't know anyone in Edinburgh. I didn't know any church in Edinburgh. If you, if you'd told me, you know. Um, St. Columbus is is a free church of Scotland. I'd have no idea what that yeah. means.
0: So you didn't know the um, difference between, you know, Anglican, Presbyterian, independent. Clueless. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's partly a function of that. And just li- literally a blank slate looking at a list of churches and thought, yeah, let, let's let's try. Um yeah.
0: That's that's fascinating. I mean that, that segues really well. Um I'll go back to your call to the ministry in a minute, but you've mm-hmm. touched on it already a little bit. Um, this is a healthy gospel church podcast. Tell me what you think the marks of a healthy gospel church are.
1: Mm, yeah, it's a great question. I think um, there could be so many. Um, I think you know you, you, you touched David on that and um, how how we how we would define a church. I think that's still really important. You. Um, historically, Scottish Reformed uh, ecclesiology. The marks of a healthy church are the preaching of the word, the right use of the sacraments, and church discipline. Or, um, I guess a healthy church life, right? A, a, a faithful, a faithful church life. I Still believe that's true to this day. I think that has massive implications on the way we we practice church, so the way we live together as a church community. What's what's of, of first importance, basically. Um, but I think all of that should lead, shouldn't it? When when people are receiving God's word and hearing it, and his spirit is at work, when they're in communion with Christ through the table in baptism, when people are living out their baptism, their identity in Christ, and when as a community we're living together as God's called us, wow, you know, yeah. that, that should flower and bear fruit in incredible ways, in joy, love, unity, peace, and um, and urgency of the gospel. You, know, I think um one of the, the key outworkings surely is is in the mission of the church. Um you know, I've become convinced that the mission of, of the church on earth is essentially the Great Commission. So you Jesus tells us and make disciples of all nations. Yeah, I'm that so glad you've said them. that. Yeah, yep.
0: I think, you know, we're losing sight of that. You know, folk are being diverted. I was talking to someone recently who was talking about the extension of the kingdom through, you know, giving free meals. Now, you know, I'm mm. Scottish, I love a free meal. Um, And the guy went on to talk about, you know, how they were involved in social housing. Again, you know, I was brought up in social housing. I have nothing against that. Mm. But you're bringing us back to the key, that the mission of a church is to make disciples mm. of, of Jesus. You know, it's refreshing um to hear that. You spoke about other things, for example, in Grace Church, Um friendliness outgoing mm-hmm. is that a mark of a healthy church that's a softball by the way
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely yeah a, a friendly welcome um yeah it's outgoingness yeah i think um i'd imagine a, a healthy church has all kinds of people in it um as well uh, that that includes people who are more reserved i think there needs to be space for that that, that not not everyone's going to be on the welcome team and that's okay, you know. Um, but I think having a having a welcome and a and a friendly a friendly welcome and and people being interested in building relationship, you, we we've talked a lot over the past year at Bon Accord about <laughs> friendship and um, where well, it comes from in the Bible and uh, the Christian life, the place of friendship in a church that that we're not um, we're not just a kind of Organization or 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 a, even a gathering. We're not just a service. We are a family. Um, you, not everybody's going to be friends with with everyone else. But if there's not friendships in a church, then it's lacking something. Um, yeah, absolutely.
0: Great. Okay, so we've got fake tan Essex boy ah. playing his trombone. He's a vegetarian. He ends up in Edinburgh. Goes to Presbyterian church. And now he is a minister in the Free Church of Scotland. How how did that happen? What's your, what's your call to ministry?
1: Mm, yeah, well, you've certainly sketched out the, the improbability human beast, of that ever being the case. Um, yeah, as I say, so he's part of Grace Church Leith, and uh, I sometimes say, you know, I, I came into the Free Church through the back door. My membership was at Grace Church Leith, and Grace Church Leith became a, of the Free Church of Scotland. membership came came with it, and um, and of course that was because the, the, the convictions, the statement of faith of the church was the same as the Free Church, so nothing changed in terms of the, the teaching, anything like that. And um, as I say, look, I think especially those initial four years that I was studying, you, you know, I would say that I learned and changed more as a Christian in that time Mm -hmm. than I did as a result of my degree, you know, there was really a lot that, that had to be broken down. A lot of it discarded. Some of it put back together in a different way. Um, And I was, I was well challenged by that, but excited to see God at work in me through the teaching of his word. And that gave me a real passion for, Speaking to others about about faith, um, sharing the word, sharing what I was learning, what I was reading, um, being up praying with others. Um, so I think that change in me sort of led me to to a kind of excitement about what I would call now, I wouldn't have called at the time, but word ministry and the power of God's word to change us, basically. Um, so as I was given opportunity to you know, read a Bible study here, read a prayer meeting here, um, that got me thinking. Yeah, this is what I can see myself doing. You know, I I don't want to do what I wanted to do when I got here. Now I see that real change happens this way. You know, as God's word is opened and shared. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that I was invited to do a two year kind of apprenticeship at Grace Church Leith by Athol, um, the minister there. Um, went to Cornhill um, in Glasgow to do the training course there. Uh, all of this was just fuel on the fire, I think, at that point, um, that, that brought me closer to the sense that this isn't just something I want to do, but something that God would have me do um, with the rest of my life.
0: Great. Okay, I, I want to unpack lots of things because you know, sure. the synapses yeah. are, are blowing all over <laughs> my mind here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little bit controversial, is Cornhill enough? I mean, it seems, I'll I'll put my cards on the table, it seems to me that, you know, a seminary model where you really go deeper, where you do stuff like church history, systematics, um, a church-based seminary model is the gold star. Cornhill, stuff like that is okay, but preparation for a pastor-teacher position, okay, i put it out there. Give me an opinion. <laughs> That's great, David. I, yeah, I mean,
1: um, to be equally, if not more controversial, um, I, I would probably say and, and ask, is, is seminary enough? Uh, I would say that I received two different things from, from Cornhill and, and at ETS, both extremely valuable and both a real privilege to have received um as a foundation for ministry. But what I got at Cornhill that I didn't get at ETS was a handle on God's God's word as as a complete a complete narrative. And the books of Bible, not as a not primarily as a scholar or a theologian, but as a Bible teacher and and how what were these books intended to do for the community of god's people and how as a as a preacher and a teacher can i bring that purpose of god in having um supervised the writing of this book and breathed out this word how can i bring that to bear on on a church family um at ets what i got was a framework for understanding the teaching of scripture as a whole as you say the the systematic uh, theology, how these doctrines coalesce together, basically, but on a Sunday, you don't preach a doctrine, um, you preach the scripture, and the doctrine, the truth, the theology must flow surely out of, out of the text of scripture. So, so at Cornhill, I was learning to handle the text, at ETS, I was learning to handle the truth, if I could put it like that. For okay, so me, that's I- completely complementary.
0: Yep, that, that's interesting. I mean, I think that's giving us, you know, at seminary something to think of. It's been great to witness the revival of what we call redemptive historical preaching. Right. Uh, I, I first discovered that at ETS when I was a student, you know, our Old hmm. Testament, a New Testament professor was called Archie Boyd, and he introduced us to a guy called Herman Ritterboss. It was a bit of a, a, a mouthful hmm. But um, certainly, you know, we've got to take that on board um, and teach you guys to get that whole redemptive historical framework and and applying the word of God. So you are uh, training for ministry. You're you're reasonably young. I mean, I, I don't ask your age, but you you look really young. You look about twelve. <laughs> um, uh, in uh, you ended up in. in you know, Aberdeen-Bon Accord, which would be one of our larger congregations, you know, somewhat complex. It's student, it's vibrant, it's in the oil city of Aberdeen. Um, Was that a surprise to you? I have to say it's a delight for us in in the denomination that you're there. It's going really well and we're delighted. But um, was that a bit of a surprise for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It was a real... A real a real shot i remember uh well just to, to start from sort of the big i was meant to do a placement at bon accord over the summer and um, then the pandemic hit and that was all thrown up in the air graciously Ivor, who is was the interim moderator agreed to let me preach online for for bon accord um which wasn't at all the placement that I'd I'd hoped for but you know it it was great and that was the first time I'd preached through a book of the Bible so I went through colossians and got time on zoom you know such as it was with with people after the service as well really loved that and they invited Susie and I to come up once the restrictions had been lifted a wee bit so and um, that was in the September um, it was great to, to to be in Aberdeen that was the first time I'd been to Aberdeen and um, loved meeting the church there and we both Susie and I came away thinking you know almost ministry aside and um, if it was simply a question of of which church do you want to be part of that that this is where we wanted to be and um, I think we just had that sense that um we, we could really see ourselves being part of the church family here now uh, yeah, the probability of that actually happening was was, yeah. was zero to none. And um, months went past, I preached in other places. Um every time Susie and I talked about it, it was, you know, if only, if only. Then Ivor, you know, in his um, wise and careful way, said to me once at ETS, um, just so you know, just for your encouragement, your names come up, you know, in conversation <laughs> at Bonnaroo. Don't don't take anything from that, you know. But your name's being discussed. You should really be encouraged by that, as a, as a young, great, you know. I thought the next month, oh, you know, and um, they're still talking. Okay, so this this kind of snowballed, and I still remember that excitement, nerves, thrill, at the thought that okay, this thing that we really thought was not on the cards at all is becoming more and more of a possibility and eventually became a reality. Um And that was just incredible. Yeah, it's always quite a that. thing, isn't
0: it? It's always quite a thing when you get the phone call, you know, they've mm. had a congregational meeting and, mm. you know, your name is The Name and you think, oh... Yeah. Um, another thing I'm really... I mean, time is flying on. I'm, I'm so enjoying the, this conversation. Uh You are... Younger generation to me, you're probably two generations down from me. Um I'm more and more conscious that your generation thinks very differently to my generation, Not radically differently. But you, you know, you see things really differently, and I love working with young folk. When I was minister at Smithton, we had a, a team ministry, and we always had younger girls and guys working for us, and it was so refreshing and, and even here in the office my, my younger colleagues can you tell us how your generation thinks <laughs> <A big way. laughs> you know I, I know you did social anthropology we don't yeah. have you we mm-hmm. have 10 hours to examine <laughs> a bit you know highlights of how your generation thinks and and how they see church
1: yeah uh it's a really interesting question and um, i can't presume to speak for a whole generation of people uh, I can only speak from what I've sort of um, yeah heard heard from people. Really, what I see at, at Bon Accord, what I see in my peers.
0: What are you guys um, called? By the way, I know I'm a baby boomer. I know that my kids uh, millennials. Yeah. Uh, do you know what you are called? Yeah, well,
1: I believe I'm I, I sit at the at the tail end of the millennials, but on that kind of. The boundary between the, the millennial phase and the Gen Z sort of beginning. Oh, okay. So okay. I was, for, 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 I was born in 1994. So people can do the maths, but that. Right. So I'm in that transitional point, really. So yeah, I'm still amazed. <laughs> you, know, all the students at Bon Accord, they tell me how old they are. I'm like, I can't believe I'm this old. But um, <laughs> so the marks yeah, of your generation,
0: think, okay? Well, yeah, yeah, tell, tell um, them about
1: you. yeah. I think well. In terms of church, I would say that, that there's more than, um, among believers, more of an openness actually to, to to coming into a church, because I, I think um, what, what I see and hear from people, people my age or younger, that there, there seems to be a bit more of an openness to church. Um, maybe they don't have the the baggage and um, historically you know, they, they don't know necessarily the, the history of of the mother kirk and the the, the we freeze and the whatever. Yeah. Um and so for example we're, we're doing a Christianity explore course. We started that last week. Our next session's tonight actually. And um it's great. To see it. so some of the well, the students invited two friends along. Um, there's there's other um people younger than myself who, who are coming. And are just really open and they just have questions and they're not there's not a pushback um against or a or suspicion of the church or, or a kind of an, an inherent kind of um yeah, I would just say an openness maybe to 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 coming into a church, to hearing what we have to say, to listening, to responding, um, meeting meeting older people who, who come in. I think there is a there is some of that. Um, trying to kind of pigeonhole where we fit, you know, in the church scene, um, maybe bringing assumptions to the table that that are not true or or only partially true. Um, but yeah, and I would say that's a really a really encouraging. So you, encouraging you think sign.
0: you think ironically, younger people are more non-judgmental. They accept things as they are. Labels don't really matter. Uh, I mean, I, I remember the church that you're minister of. Um, you know, Duncan Leach was the minister, I don't remember him, a man called Hugh G. Mackay, then uh, Douglas Macmillan, famously, Hector yeah. Cameron, Alec MacDonald, yeah. uh, and then Ivor Martin. The, the church was once so small that it met in the vestry, is quite unbelievable. <laughs> wow. But the, inter- the interesting thing is that, you know, a church, and I hope this is true of the contemporary free church, that it's no longer just for a little boy from Staffan and Sky who's gone to be a student or, you know, a girl from North Tolksta or, you know, a guy from Alt Bay. You, you, you're you finding that there are no, nobody's prejudging it. Folk are just mm-hmm. seeing it in its own terms. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Pe- people,
1: in a good way, don't know what they're walking into. Um, you know, we, we had, as an example, two Sundays ago, there was a family who came for the first time, you, what brought you here? They said we've just moved from Sri Lanka, and I said, "Oh, do you do you come from a church in Sri Lanka?" Um, and the woman said, "Well, actually, I'm a Catholic, and my husband's a Buddhist. Um, wow. But they live around the corner, and they saw the church, and they just came in." Um, and that, that, that that's what that's what I mean is that there really is this kind of blank slate mentality that there's not um, maybe in, in past generations. You know, for somebody who identifies as a Catholic to walk into a free church wouldn't have been, yeah, natural. Whereas uh, I think today, you yeah, we do we do see that and and are able to to have a conversation about that uh, in a non-confrontational way, which is a good thing.
0: Um, how did you expect ministry? You know, you're sitting here in the ivory tower of Edinburgh <laughs> Theological Seminary. Mm. How how did you expect it and how has it panned out? Yeah, I think well I would imagine as as everyone
1: who's who's not yet gone into kind of full full-time kind of solo flight ministry position is, is a bit idealistic, I think. Um in the sense that I kind of knew if if you like, on paper, um what the shape of ministry should be, what my priorities should be, um what 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 the job entailed, if I can put it like that, what the calling is to be um a pastor teacher. Um I think hitting the ground, um that still is true. All those things are true. They're being worked out. I've not Um, Changed my mind as to what I'm here for. We put it like that. But the reality, week to week, is that my calendar is messy, and um, you know, I do give give my my prime time, so to speak, to preparing for preaching. Um, But sometimes things come up that gets pushed into other times. You on a Saturday, that kind of thing. Um, Week to week, I'm seeing. All kinds of different people, or come from all kinds of different places, different kinds of questions, and there's just not the time or the capacity to, um, to to to, to go back and read Calvin, if we can put it like that. You know, yeah, I guess it's having. It, 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 I'm falling back on on the kind of theological and and the pastoral instincts, basically, that mm-hmm. were formed during training, um, but it's not like. Yeah, there's time to sit and read and and think often about what you're gonna say, how you're gonna help someone. It's kind of, I think, the way for me at the minute, anyway, it's really hand to mouth. Um, I think I did expect it to be to be a bit crazy and a bit hectic, um, but yeah, that maybe more so than I than I than I bargained for as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, when I started off. Um, nearly 50 years ago in ministry, you had to preach two big sermons on a Sunday, you had to do a fairly big Wednesday night, yeah, I mean you, that's probably your load in, in Bon Accord at, at the moment, do you think that's too much? I think it's too much for one, one minister so
1: certainly well with a Wednesday night we have a fortnight of prayer meeting and that's no longer a, a 30 minute sermon that that's a ten or fifteen
0: minute devotion, something like that. Um, something, again, again, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll cut in again. You know, yeah, yeah. you're big in the word. You know, that's what you like to be Grace Leith. Mm. I'm big in preaching. You're big mm. in preaching. Can there be too much preaching in the church? <laughs>
1: yeah, it's a great question. Um, I I I think I think it's right that on the Lord's Day the preaching of the word. Is the priority, um, you know, t- t- too much preaching? I mean, you-, you could have a meeting every night, couldn't you? And, and yeah. preach the word. I mean, that's too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I-, I don't think I don't think on a Sunday you can have too much preaching. Um, that might be that might be controversial, yeah. um, but I think that's what's different about a Wednesday. I think there's a flexibility there. Um, around what we did we, for example last Easter we we did um, there's a passion for life um program that, that was put out there were resources and we basically showed videos in our prayer meeting and that was fine. Um, I think that that was good and helpful but I wouldn't do that on a Sunday. Okay, um, yeah, great. I don't know
0: what, what you about, think about that. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I, what about Sunday nights? I mean, I'm a big believer in, in Sunday nights, and I don't mm-hmm. think it's just old-school thinking. Um, have, you, mm-hmm. have you in that? Yeah, um, No, I agree with that.
1: Um, yeah, I think, to put it this way, there's nothing in Scripture, right, that binds us to sure. how many services we must have on the lord's day but i think we inherit a a pattern which is good and healthy which is i think it begins right from the premise that sunday is the lord's day and it's a day set aside then for his worship and um, for resting in him for church family i'm not convinced for example that Sunday is for you know you, you go to a service maybe in the morning or the evening, and the rest of the day is is our own um you know, I think it is a day that that is set aside for building one another up in faith, um eating together, hearing the word together, worshipping together, all that so I kind would, of thing.
0: I would call that a dynamic sabbatarianism, yeah, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I've not I've not heard that term before, but um, but yeah, I would I would go with that as, I mean, as
0: opposed to you know the Sundays. Frankly, that I suffered from uh, as a youngster, they were far from dynamic. A lot of them were legalistic. I remember being shouted at for going hmm. a walk. So hmm. you know, they were absolutely ridiculous. I yeah. love I love this concept. Tell me more about it.
1: Yeah, well, I think for example, for us at Bon Accord. Um, we have a morning service and an evening service. Um, people have committed to, to those services. So um, both of them, we, we did our, our congregational survey in December and we had um, well over 100 at both services. Um, and I think uh, in between, um, particularly for the students, um, there's, there's always a meal available. Yeah. It's lovely to see people going home together being invited around, you know, people would, would often spend, you know, come to the service in the morning, spend the afternoon at somebody's home having a meal, speaking together, and then come back, you know, straight straight to the evening service. For, for the students as well, we, we every other Sunday we have a, a youth fellowship. So for some of them, They're coming out on a a Sunday morning, having lunch at somebody's house, coming back on a Sunday evening and then spending time learning and eating together in the evening too. Um, and they love it. They love it. Um, lots of them can't get enough of that. And I think that's a brilliant thing. You know, um, I think if that did become, (laughs) you know, you must do, um, that's overstepping the bounds of scripture. Um, but I think, as with everything in the Christian life, where it's an outflow of a love for the Lord Jesus, that's surely something we want to to encourage, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, what, what I've loved about our conversation as well, you know, I'm seeing you holding to... I wouldn't call them old, va- old values. I don't like that term, but values which are, are classically, you know, like the ordinary means of grace, yeah. you know, good use of sacraments, importance of the church, you know, dynamic Sabbatarianism, preaching all, of the word. But you're, you're doing it in a, a contemporary dynamic way. I keep using it, this word dynamic. That is so encouraging. Now, uh, time is drawing to a conclusion. Um, what's on the cards for Bon Accord in the next few months. What does your ministry shape look like? Have the congregation come up with any exciting plans?
1: Yeah. Um, so a few a few kind of bigger things to be mindful and that we would love prayer for. One I've mentioned, Christianity Explored. Um, I think we've been told that's a bold move because it's seven weeks rather than a kind of three-week Hope Explored. Um, but we've gone for it because Mark's Gospel, presenting people with the basic building blocks of the Gospel, is what we wanted to do. There's been great uptake. Please pray for that. And um, so that that leads us up to Easter, and um, which is which is exciting. Um, we we we've um, we we had a good think at session about our model of pastoral care. And um, there's loads I could talk about. But one of the things that we've done is is create a pastoral care team made up of the elders, deacons, um, and other women who've been invited into that, and younger people as well who are being kind of maybe trained or developed in that. We meet once a month to pray and to, to learn together. We're doing instruments in the Redeemer's Hand training resource to help us. Um, and And those people then kind of take a lead in our life groups um so so smaller groups um where people can be cared for and, and there's there's bible study, prayer, time together, that kind of thing. Um so just as that beds down, you know, um we're we're really wanting that that to to take deep root, I guess, in, in the culture of the church. Um so pastoral care team stuff. Uh the other thing which I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about, but I'm going to David, because you're a maverick and I feel like yeah, you can like to to speak cool freely. For
0: it. We can get kicked out together. That's great. Um, we can form a feature, continuing, continuing. <laughs> a couple of continuings, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: we we had a, a congregational meeting last night, uh, and it was wonderful, real spirit of unity and love, and uh, agreed to move forward with an application to presbytery for permission to call an assistant minister. Um, now obviously that subject to to Presbytery, to the to the mission board, to the to the General Assembly. Um there's there's lots that still needs to happen to make that a reality. Of course we we need to, if that were all to, to be granted, we need to find someone, you know, call them, settle them, all of that, induct them, um, the works. But that 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 to us is a key part of our vision for the next five years. 10 years. Um, at the minute, I am at capacity and I'm beyond capacity. Yeah. And, and the reality is, we can't do any more without without an assistant to, to help get yeah. that breathing space, basically.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm all over that. And the idea of a team ministry, again, mm-hmm. for the second half of my ministry, it was a team ministry which I reveled in. Mm-hmm. It be really exciting for you to. Think and pray about what sort of person you'll get. Will you get someone like you? Will you get a younger guy? Will you get an experienced silver fox? Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) What what sort of person? So, um, again, we have run out of time. Joe, thank you. If folk want to know more about Joe's ministry, again, Bon Accord Free Church of Scotland Aberdeen, Google it. It'll get you to the Mm -hmm. website. Enjoy. Joe's preaching, Uh, Aberdeen's a great city, a vibrant oil city. Mm -hmm. Apologies for some of the production quality today. We had some internet issues. Hopefully Simon, our worthy editor, will be able to edit them out. But if not, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, Please like the Healthy Gospel Church podcast on whatever platform you use. Tell others about it. Spread the good news of Jesus and be kind to one another. Joe, thank you for coming today.
1: Thanks so much, David. It's been a real joy to speak with you. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you. Have a great day, folks.